The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. the call today. I need help. Longtime listeners are aware of this. I need help with one particular thing uh, that I'm asking for. What do you use for a news source? And I'm not talking about the written word. I, I've got plenty of places to go for that. But I want something less uh, less work, <laughs> less time consuming. The sort of thing I can do driving or doing the dishes or whatever. Li- something to listen to. I was very disturbed at the amount of Tiger Woods coverage yesterday. I'm disturbed about it today. I'm looking at the TV. It's the only thing on the news. I, it's, it's, I think it's amazing. The day before we hit half a million death from the pandemic, this is a milestone in our nation's history and world history. A national address from the president. Moment of silence. One day later, 45 minutes out of an hour news show is about Tiger Woods crashing his car. How can that, how can those two things happen 24 hours apart? That footage they're showing right now, his last interview with Jim Nance, I've seen it 20 times. 20 times. When do you think you'll come back, Tiger? Oh, I don't know, Jim. I don't know. Just got to heal up. Um, so I was throwing out, the, what, where do you get your news? Do you have a news source? My favorite news show is Brett Baer on Fox, and he did uh, over a half an hour of the coverage was Tiger Woods yesterday, even with everything going on in the world. Here's some of the answers. OAN. I got to admit, I've never watched OAN. I should watch before I have any um, opinion of it. It's being pilloried by the liberal media. Right. Uh, So was Fox before I ever gave it a try 20 years ago. Um, And it ended up being my main news source. So Uh, a lot of people like BBC. I need to get into that. I generally have. You watch BBC and you think, man, there's a lot of things going on in the world that I never hear about. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's always since I was a kid. It's always been my reaction whenever I catch I, the BBC. I don't know what their business model is, but I see a lot less of the the picking aside on the BBC than I do on other things too. Yeah, they're biased in their own way, just in the way that all human beings are biased, and they're definitely left leaning. But they throw a lot of information your way. It's yeah. like when you give up sugar, you have to get used to food that's not nearly as sweet. The BBC is that they don't pour sugar on it. Mm. 
Um, but uh, so they got into an argument about this very topic. On- oh, I'm sorry. Hey, let me throw that in. I wasn't sure if your list was over, but uh, a longtime uh, contributor to the show and longtime friend of mine, Mike, the lawyer in Chicago, says WGN. That was America's first superstation. WGN launched News Nation. Its policy is unbiased news. He says it's my main source now, and it covers a lot of things. And um, and and if Mike the lawyer says that, that's a pretty good uh, recommendation. I've heard a number of people. Nobody's uh, said it today, but I've heard people say before the Financial Times, and I started uh, oh. I, I started a subscription to that, and it's a pretty good news source, but it's really expensive. Yes, it's it just is. too expensive for me to get my news that way. It's in the name. I tried the Economist it's right there too. in the name. Yeah, the yeah. Economist. Uh, Oof. Need a little, put a little uh, something on there to get her to wash down. You know, my previous metaphor, it's way less sweet than that. (laughs) But so Greg Gutfield of Fox and Geraldo Rivera got into an argument about this yesterday on how much Tiger Woods coverage there was. And you want the well-being for everybody, but this man was special. He really was special in a way that history will regard him. So I think that our our um, homage to him uh, by by paying such close attention to this disaster is entirely fitting, Dana. He's not dead, Geraldo. We are talking like he passed away. He escaped death. So did the people in his vicinity. He lost control of his car before he hit anything. He he should consider himself very lucky to be alive, and he should consider himself very lucky that he didn't hurt anybody else, even if it wasn't his fault. Nobody else got hurt. We have a challenge of doing this show, wall-to-wall stuff, having to avoid unspeakable truths and instead do this kind of repetitive salutation and, and, and grand pronouncements. Let's at least inject a little bit of sobriety and honesty into this thing. My father-in-law died in his car on Christmas Eve. He wasn't a world-famous golfer, but you know what? He was a great man, and I'm glad I said it. I'm, I'm sure Tiger Woods is happy to be alive and grateful that nobody else was hurt. <laughs> Dana Perino thinking, are you two going to fight? Did I get yeah. hit by accident? I'm not exactly sure I followed Greg Gutfield's uh, 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 point there. Um, well, quit with the worshipful wall-to-wall coverage. The guy was going too fast and he lost control of his car. He could have killed somebody. He he's, he broke his leg up, but he's going to be all right. I Moving along. I think if he had died yesterday, it doesn't need to be a half hour of my hour newscast. I think that's crazy. No, no. Why Have would... a loving retrospective later on. Wow. I, I don't know if I'm that far out of touch with what people want. Do people want? Do people want that? Do I you suspect think most that people... the... I think the special report people have a pretty well-honed sense of what people want. Why why, why would you assume that, though, based on our experience of being in the broadcast business and people knowing what people want? Yeah, mass media is for the masses, though. The more mass you get, the more lower common denominator you get. I I don't know. I don't know. You're just pissed off because you're a bad golfer and you quit the game. It's just a <laughs> jealousy. It's the green monster. It's it's ugly. You hate to see it. There's no celebrity. Princess Diana, <laughs> Tiger Woods, Kobe Bryant, anybody that should dominate a serious newscast when they die or get in a car wreck. It's crazy. We're not agree. a serious if, country. If the sitting president croaks it, then I say yes. The uh, ramifications of that, the implications, et cetera. Hundred percent. See, so anyway, golfers who really haven't done much lately. 
Also, if he had won the Masters last weekend, then it should dominate the news for an hour. See, I'm not sure. Jack, it's a tradition unlike any other. Zelia line fairways. (laughs) Hello, friends. (laughs) But Geraldo was pretty worked up. The patrons lined up along the Azalea line fairways. Geraldo was pretty worked up there. History will note how great this man was. (laughs) The history of golf will. Not sure. yeah, he was a super great golfer on virtually any other measure. I mean, he's just he's uh, well. Why am I why am I indicting Tiger Woods? I don't want to lionize him. I don't want to indict him. I don't want to talk about his his, his golf swing. Moving along. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So my main point being, where do you go for your news? Where do you get your news? Uh, and I want to hear that all day long. Just I'm, I'm kind of curious. Nine one six. No, no, that's not. That, I was about to get my own phone number. That'd, that'd be weird. You really want Go this ahead. answer. I want this Go answer ahead. so bad. Here's my own cell phone. Call me at home anytime of day. FaceTime. <laughs> FaceTime me anytime, oh, day or night. Oh, oh, oh boy. Oh, jeez. You know, I should do that sometime. It'd be kind of fun. I'd want to get a burner phone, not my, yes. like my, the number I've had forever and all my friends have. But just yeah. like, here's my, here's my personal number. You got anything? Uh, uh, anything to say? Thoughts? Anything? I promise, today and today only, I will answer it every time it rings. Text, text call anytime. Right. Here's my number. <laughs> hey, it's, uh, it's Tiger. Hey, Tiger. It'd be fun to see what uh, <laughs> see what you get. Oh, I saw Rachel Yucatel was really concerned about Tiger's car crash. That's the Oof. cocktail waitress that he was betting in Las Vegas that turned she was porn the star. Hostess. And, yeah. Oh, she was the one that was calling his phone. And his wife was going to find out. Hey, uh, do me a favor. Take my name off your phone. That doesn't do anything. <laughs> that was uh, that was her. Yep. Jack, in other news, the U.S. Army has developed a terrifying new weapon. Word is leaked. It is a laser, but it's very different than old sorts of lasers. And this could be a game changer. I want to hear about it. And we probably should get to at some point revenge bedtime procrastination and how it's oh, robbing yeah, you yeah. of precious sleep time. I really want to hear what that is. <laughs> uh, they had a hearing about the Capitol riot yesterday. What did we learn, if anything? All on the way. Armstrong and Getty. John Kerry said that there are only nine years left to save the world from the effects of climate change. Does President Biden share that assessment? Nine years. I don't have a new timeline to to give you from here. I can confirm for you, though, that the president agrees with former Secretary Kerry that it's a crisis, uh, that time is of the essence. We need to act quickly. So, so people decried the loss of the press conference during Trump. That they stopped having those, and he would just speak on his own. Why? Right. They never answer questions anyway. Uh, the daily press briefing. Yeah. yeah, it's just an exercise in, uh, okay, how good is this person at spinning? Yeah. How often do they answer actually answer the question? Does he agree with John Kerry that the world's coming to an end in nine years? The, the, the president also agrees it is a significant problem. Next question. What, what was? Did, did, nobody benefited from that. No. Um. The... 
class system we have in America. Tucker Carlson talks about that a lot on his, he's the top rated cable news show in America. I got to admit, I often have no idea what Tucker Carlson's talking about. He, he gets, he gets about halfway through a segment and I think, where's this going? I don't understand your point, but he had one at the end of his show yesterday about, uh, colleges and class. I thought was really interesting and we'll get up. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. I'd like to hear that. Looking forward to that. Plus that weird revengey sleep thing. Yeah. I got that right after you're done with this. Excellent. The United States Army is developing its most powerful laser yet that is a million times more powerful than the current lasers. What? I'm doing the math on that right now. Hold on. How, how you does heard it, me. How does anything leap that far that fast? Oh, that's a most lot more powerful. Li- that's a lot more powerful we've yeah. determined. <laughs> Sean, your, uh, your physics degree is really, really paying off there. I, lear- um, I recently learned if you turn your calculator on your smartphone, if you turn it sideways, <laughs> you get a scientific calculator. Yeah, it's helped cool? a lot. Yeah, yeah. signs and yeah. cosines and whatnot. Your tangents. <sighs> Most laser weapons fire a continuous beam until a target melts or catches fire. That's what we're familiar with. But the tactical ultra short pulsed laser, or the USPL, UPSL, sorry, for Army platforms, will emit short pulse like bursts. It's designed to deliver a terawatt, that's a thousand kilowatts, I believe, for a 200 femtosecond birth. All right, you just burst. make, you can, you can, these could be real words or made up. It wouldn't make any difference. <laughs> a femtosecond, Jack, is one quadrillionth of a second. Don't be condescending. Of course I know that. What? In one quadrillionth <laughs> of a second, this First delivers a terawatt of power. Even in that infinitesimal amount of time, incomprehensibly short, the UPSL could vaporize the surface of a drone. It's also thought that such a burst would disrupt nearby electronics, making it a functional EMP or electromagnetic. Well, what would it do to a per- What would it do to a person? Interestingly enough, they say it really isn't. It, it could cause mild skin irritation to blindness but isn't really practical as a deterrent. But laser systems are incredibly effective to incinerate enemy drones, mortar rounds, missiles, that sort of thing. According to new scientist, out with the old scientist, in with the new scientist, laser systems are better directed at small, fast-moving targets like drones or missiles. Although they can do uh, terrible damage to a battleship, that sort of thing as well. Uh, The prototype would pack an extra punch over vanishingly short lengths of time, Unlike normal lasers, which spread out over overly long distances, a USPL can turn the air itself into a lens and keep its intensity intact. Wow. I wonder if yeah. there will ever be a battle where any of these uh, new modern weapons will be used. I hope not. You know, I was just thinking that very thing, and for every capability that's developed by a, a military, its enemies must develop a counter capability, and a lot of our capabilities now are in uh, technology and communication. And so the counter capabilities are all about disrupting that, like the EMPs we were talking about. So I could easily see warfare in the 21st century be as low tech as we've seen in in half a century, because we won't be able to use any of our technology. So you'll uh, have see. generals hastily scratching out notes on pads, and a runner will literally run it over there. And because uh, both sides will have dismantled the super cool tanks or planes or whatever. By hacking into their computer systems, oh. you'll have people on horses charging the other side with swords. Because none yeah. of the weapons work because everything's been hacked. I wonder. I wonder. Wouldn't One that of the most be interesting. Crazy. 
Oh, yeah, indeed. One of the most interesting things I've heard about the military recently is they've been working hard to develop, uh, it's hard to describe, uh, rotating communication systems. They have communication systems A through L. And if the uh, opponent blocks A, we move to B. Then we swiftly move to C. And all the services have to be coordinated. The Air Force has to know that the Marines are now on G. We've gone from Internet to telephone to microwave to, I don't know, telepathy to whatever uh, because of the, you know, the technical countermeasures everybody's trying to develop. What is revenge bedtime procrastination? It's really just a fancy new term for something that has existed for a very long time, but uh, it might be worth uh, talking about again regardless. It's really the idea of you get through a long day of uh, nose to the grindstone. You've been working. You've been taking care of your kids. You've been doing laundry. You've been doing all that kind of stuff. You get to the end of the day. You're tired. It's time to go to bed. You should go to bed if you want to have a full night's sleep so that you're not... Um, uh, you know, tired the next day. You're you, you, you so that you so you get your full eight hours. So you're not running in right. a deficit the next day, but you don't. I don't. Practically nobody does. You sit there and you scroll on your phone and do crap that is uh, more or less meaningless that you barely remember the next day. You regret doing it the next day. That's one of the keys to this thing. Is people do this all the time and you get up the next morning and you regret it. You don't think you know what that was a good idea. Nobody gets up the next morning thinking, yeah, it was a good idea that I uh, kind of scrolled through my phone. I don't even remember what the hell I was looking at uh, for for another hour and a half before I went to sleep. And then you do I'm it again. well spent. And then you do it again the next night, which sounds a lot like uh, my, my history with uh, <laughs> addictions I know about, alcoholism or whatnot, the next day thinking, that was not good. I don't want to do that again. And then you do that again the next night. But that's what people do with this revenge bedtime procrastination. And you keep getting further and further behind on sleep, and it's um, self-perpetuating in that the more tired you are, uh, the more you feel like you deserve something that's not just work and taking care of kids at the end of the day. And right. so you do more of it again and get even more tired. And I, I find it interesting that it's being described as revenge as opposed to just self-indulgence. I don't know who had to come up with Who's the, fanci- the vengeance against? I don't know. I don't know who had to come up with the funny, Fate? the fancy the term. World? But their point is you got to break the cycle of just getting more and more tired. And if you get enough sleep, you won't have the need for the revenge bedtime procrastination near as much to just scroll through your phone mindlessly. You'll be more comfortable with the idea of just going to bed. That's what Wow, self-perpetuating misery. Yeah, how about that? That's something the modern person has to break out of. Yeah. I've, you know, how many people have done that, including me, where the next day you you look at your phone. Oh, yeah, I was looking at whatever (laughs) online, uh, you know, shopping for something I'm never going to buy. I've never even thought about before. I don't even remember why I was doing it. But you stayed up an extra 20 minutes reading about it. Why would I need no shots? (laughs) Don't do that. Armstrong and Getty. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at, like a and b with an ocean view an endless field of wildflowers or a sunset that needs no filter make this a summer to share and save with a capable kia suv or powerful sedan see your local kia dealer or visit kia.com to learn more kia movement that inspires call 800-334-KIA for details always drive safely sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only quantities are limited must take delivery by 7824 the big take from bloomberg news brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world 
Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Before COVID, the median family income in the United States was about 65 grand a year. At Yale, it's three times that. The median family income of a Yale University student is 192,000 a year. That's the median. At the University of Pennsylvania, it's about 196,000 a year. At Brown University in Providence, it's 204,000. These are all Ivy League schools with multi-billion dollar endowments, endowments heavily subsidized by you through your tax dollars. So they could afford to educate poor kids, they just choose not to. At Princeton, 72% of students come from families in the top 20% nationally for household income. Nobody seems to have any plans to change any of this. Uh, We're going to play more of that from Tucker Carlson last night. I find this to be just a really interesting conversation. And I don't want to get. I I I worry about like uh, you know not not understanding it enough and getting too far down the road of just you know raw populism. But we do get lectured all the time by the elite universities about the importance of diversity. Yet, as <laughs> as you heard there, they're they're the richest among us at all these colleges. Unless you think all the rich people have the smartest kids, and that wouldn't make any sense from any biological standpoint whatsoever, there's something going on there where the wealthy are uh, sending their kids to the most elite universities, then lecturing the rest of us about the importance of diversity in our neighborhoods and lives and schools. There's not diversity in their neighborhoods or workplaces or schools, but there has to be in ours where we're bad people. Right. Which is really interesting. That is terribly annoying. 
Uh, I would say, as a guy who's shepherded three kids now through college, that it's not the smartest kids. It's the kids with the greatest academic achievement. And the more wealth you have, the more tools you have to get that going. It can't make up for a kid who just can't, you know, rub two brain cells together, but it, it does help. So it is self-perpetuating in that way. Yeah, and so it contributes to the class system that we have uh, developed in the United States. And this is what Tucker's talking about, uh, talking about a little more of that. So here's our advice to the members of the woke professional class at the Times and elsewhere who are about to discover that their own rules might actually apply to themselves. Here's our advice. Stop complaining. When you discover that your own children's life plans have been thwarted due to some new imperative of social justice, don't say a word. Don't whine or moan or file a lawsuit. Don't even acknowledge it's happening. Just accept it. It's not like you can pretend you didn't know the meritocracy was fake. You single-handedly destroyed it yourselves. For years, you thought you had an exemption to the rules that you made. You imagined that challenging power applied only to other people's families. Sorry, the revolution has finally come for you. You pictured your kids graduating from the local friend's school and moving on to Cornell to immerse themselves in gender studies and international relations. Oh, but not anymore. It's a new era. Again, an era that you designed. Now your kids will be taking the bus to a poultry processing facility in rural Iowa to begin their new lives serving the critical culinary needs of the people they replace, the ones now going to Cornell. And maybe someday, if they're lucky, your kids can learn to code. But no matter what happens to them over the next several generations, don't fret. And once again, above all, don't complain. Complaining is racist. Diversity is our strength. We're a nation of immigrants. That's the main idea of America, which as you have often told us, is simply an idea, not a nation. Now, all of this might be hard for you to see right now. It's painful, and we get it. Because it's happening to you, it might even seem unjust. Trust us, it's not unjust. It's the definition of justice. That, I, I find that really interesting. Books could be written about that. College classes could be taught about that. This, this effort among the elite who go to these universities that are so, so white and so rich... Wanting the rest of the country to get to, to to emphasize diversity and talking about diversity as our strength and all these different mm-hmm. things. If it actually, if the diversity that they're talking about for the rest of us actually comes to them, as Tucker points out, you know, you might not like the results. Oh the no, they would have a heart out. attack. Yeah, right. you, as he says, you might be working at the at the uh, at the at the, the, the the chicken beheading plant in the middle of Iowa, and the kid <laughs> that grew up in that that local town might be going to the university that you were supposed to go to. Yeah, and uh, things could get real upside down real fast. And we've been talking about this for years. It drives me crazy. The people in power that talk all the time about immigration, for instance, and how good it is for the country. Nothing's changing in their neighborhoods. Their neighborhoods are exactly the same. If anybody's speaking Spanish, it's because they, you know, they got the gate code from you and came in and trimmed your hedges, but they're going back out again. Your your schools are still all white and English speaking, or certainly upper class in English speaking, um, uh, from an income standpoint. And the rest of us are supposed to like all the diversity that's happening. And if we don't like it, we're clearly bad people. Yeah, although the sort of diversity that comes to the elite universities, for instance, is a bunch of incredibly rich people who may have different skin tones, but all think the same and are from the same neighborhoods and the same yacht clubs. It is still very white, though. I remember talking about the numbers on this after um, 
after the scandal broke of uh, people faking their kids into uh, you know various sports and that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, Lawrence Summers, the guy who used to run Harvard, um, uh, talking about how he looked out his window one day and he, and he thought, I only see white kids out there. What is going on? And they started looking into it, and then they made real reforms to try to get you know Harvard to look at least more like America. Um, uh, you know, just on the statistics, because it's whiter than America. It was whiter than America was at Harvard. And he thought, why is it that way when we talk about any, and he tried to put in all these different, um, you know, programs and everything like that. And nothing has changed over the years. So the system is still rigged toward people with enough money getting in all these universities, which might be fine as long as you're not trying to force all this supposed diversity on the rest of us against our will right right and it's not um, you got to be careful when you talk about this because it's not the idea that uh, we have any problem with diversity per se it's the the means used to to enforce it or to force it upon people whether it's uh, quota systems or the horrific woke anti-racist education that's not about diversity it's about power um, yeah, the the whole university system is just so bad. Are at this any point. of those people who want the, what they call diversity? Are their kids going to a school where the teacher has to stop school and type into their phone uh, what they just said, so their phone will spit out in a different language, and the whole class has to stop for one kid who doesn't speak English, and the teacher is now going to uh, slow down all the learning to try to help this kid who doesn't speak English? Are their kids going to a school like that? Who came up with these ideas? Probably not. No, no. I would like to see a mass movement of the Brahmins of Wall Street, the elite of Harvard, Yale, and Brown, sending their kids to inner city schools where there are fist fights in the classroom constantly, where the rules say the teacher can't kick you out for open insubordination. You want some diversity? Supply diversity. Send your little rich kid to those schools. Those stats. I like the idea of having a Harvard, a Yale, or whatever, where the smartest kids in the country get in. I love the idea of that. That's, 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 uh, we all benefit from that. Um, having the, the, the people that have the most talent in whatever area it is, being able to utilize that to its fullest is great for all of us. But I don't think that's happening if you've got those statistics that Tucker just gave us on income. That, that's that's not what's occurring. Right. Right. Yeah, I get that. Oh, it just popped in my head. Didn't we have a, a tape yesterday that we didn't get to? Speaking of Harvard, I don't want to explain too much of it because I don't want to ruin the, the fun of it. But do, do you, you remember, remember what the it one is, I'm... Sean? No, I don't either. You might have to tell us during the break. No, that's okay. It was it was a, a series of people uh, mentioning. Oh, right. The, yeah. Right, right, yeah, right. I, I didn't hear that either. Uh, Sean will dig that up. Um, I'm still asking people, what do you, where do you go for news? I was disappointed about how much Tiger Woods coverage there was yesterday, and I thought, where can you go to get news? What do you watch or listen to for news? Uh, what you read is interesting, too, although I think I'm pretty good for that. But what do you watch or listen to that's not going to be all celebrity car crash news, if that happens? A text line is 415-295-KFTC. Hey, it's, uh, it's Tiger. Thank you, Tiger. And now, people who went to Harvard. 
Well, I don't hold myself out as some kind of genius, but I went to Harvard. Look, I, I, I went to Harvard. I went to Harvard in the mid-90s. I went to Harvard. I went to Harvard undergraduate. And I should, I guess, declare something. I'm a Harvard graduate. I went to Harvard Business School and got a degree. That's right. Yeah. I went to Harvard Business School and worked at Goldman Sachs. I went to Harvard Business School and worked at Goldman Sachs. No, I went to Harvard. Like I said, I went to Harvard. I went to Harvard. <laughs> but I got to tell you, I went to Harvard and I went to Harvard. I'm trained in economics. I went to Harvard. Who didn't support our troops, Carrie? Um, well, for example, at Harvard, I went to Harvard. I feel like what's interesting about me is I went to Harvard Law School. You know, Erica, you know, I went to Harvard Law School. I did go to Harvard Law School. I went to Harvard Law School. I went to Harvard Law School. Because I went to Harvard Law School, and I believe in numbers and facts. And that number is from Harvard but University. But, but tens but of thousands of Americans a uh, year. I, 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 I went to Harvard University. Wow, that's a minute of people saying I went to Harvard. There's an old joke. I can't remember precisely how it goes, but uh, how do you know if someone went to Harvard? They'll tell you. Right. Um, and as we learned from those stats a little bit ago, uh, even more so with like Princeton and some of the other universities, Yale, um, it more likely means your parents are rich than it means you're extra smart. That's the that's the only solid indication I have. You oh, might yeah. be smart also, mm-hmm. but the only solid indication I have is it means your parents are rich. Well, and the idea that we should lionize the people who go to a certain university and fall down at their knees and worship them just is sickening to me. It's weird. Yeah, it is. Anyway. Coming up on the show, the great wrestling match between California and Florida. It was kind of like the wrestling match between Andre the Giant and a five-year-old girl in terms of economic outcomes right now. Uh, we'll touch on that. Plus, uh, what used to be a mainstay on the Armstrong and Getty show, that's a really, really old person explaining how they grew to be so old, what their secret was <laughs> for staying healthy. Uh and this one I actually like because it, uh, it it mentions gin. You're 116. What do you think the secret was to becoming 116? Every morning I would have one teaspoon of lemon juice <laughs> and I'd gnaw on a walnut just so it was soft. <laughs> then I'd spit it out. <laughs> it's always something quirky and nutty. And if the oldster was going to be honest, they would say one thing. Genetics. And it's just a genetics, and I didn't die in a car wreck. <laughs> genetics and Tiger Woods didn't hit me. Right, that's, exactly. That's why I'm so old. So stay tuned for the uh, the latest in in an ongoing series of that. Just a quick nod to Beltway politics, which we don't obsess over like most cable news shows because they're based in the Beltway and they're part of that giant high school that is Washington, D.C., and they're all at the same cocktail parties, and their kids all go to the same $50,000 a year schools. But it is worth paying attention to uh, as the president appoints his cabinet. Mostly the Republicans have been playing nice and approving the president's picks for the cabinet, which is proper, and unless somebody's you know awfully gets to pick his own henchman. Uh, but there are a couple of uh, trouble spots. This Neera Tandon woman, who is um, just a, a, a terrible human being, savage, <laughs> brutal, Clinton loyalist, um, who's being nominated for uh, Office of Management and Budget. And then uh, Javier Becerra, the longtime attorney general of California, who is the most hardcore. I don't know. Is this left? He is the most enthusiastic proponent of abortion on earth. He is. He believes in abortion up until the kids practically in kindergarten. He is perfectly comfortable with infanticide. 
Very late-term abortions. Very, very late. He's fine with partial birth abortion. In fact, I think we have a clip on Which that. Which is interesting because very few people are, even Democrats, uh, okay with late-term abortion. Right. Very few people are. The numbers are, I think, single digits for a final trimester. Yeah, yeah. This guy's uh, way out on the extreme. Go ahead and play clip 53, Sean, if you would. You voted against a ban on partial birth abortion. Why? We may not always agree uh, on where to go, but I think we can find some common ground on these issues because everyone wants to make sure that if you have an opportunity, you're going to live a a healthy life. I think we can reach common ground on many issues, but on partial birth abortion, it sounds like we're not going to reach common ground there. Mitt Romney there. Yeah, that was an odd conversation. I'm not sure if it was the editing or what. It seemed like two different conversations. But anyway. That uh, was his answer. That was his, I'm not going to answer that question. Wow. I'm going to say something different. That wasn't even a good one of those. Anyway, Javier Becerra is also the guy who has, uh, he has persisted in suing the Little Sisters of the Poor over and over again because they don't want to uh, give uh, people who work for them and it's mostly volunteers anyway, but they don't want to give them birth control. They consider that against the teachings of the Bible. You know, they're hardcore Catholics. Um, but uh, he has persisted, even after the Supreme Court ruled in their favor, he's found a new angle. It's inexplicable, because <clears throat> the state of California, which he represents, is in no way harmed by the national uh, uh, exemption granted to the Little Sisters of the Poor. So it's just an abortion excuse. Grimist is going after anybody who he doesn't like. And I like this, uh, this piece in National Review. They point out, uh, and, and these, these women, the little sisters of the poor, spent all their time and energy trying to get health care to the old and poverty stricken, trying to bring comfort to the, to the lowest and most miserable among us. I like this uh, sentence. Remember, these aren't corporate polluters. They aren't insider traders. They aren't tech tech giants. They're an order of nuns founded by a saint who begged in the streets of 18th century France so she could carry out her charitable work. And the other thing Javier Becerra has enthusiastically pursued is suing these religious-based crisis pregnancy centers suing to force them to hand women flyers on, here's where you get an abortion. For free. Here's where you get a free taxpayer abortion. And these, uh, and these organizations are saying, whoa, whoa, you can't force us to do that. We're plainly what we are. We offer alternatives to abortion. And luckily, the, the Supreme Court, at least, has ruled in favor of these organizations saying, no, you can't compel speech. You can't force somebody to say something any more than you can censor their ability to say it. In this setting, but Becerra won't leave it alone, and he won't leave these organizations alone. Now, he also is not a doctor and has no uh, history of working in this area, yet he's up to be the Cabinet Secretary for Health and Human Services. I believe he'd be the first person that either wasn't a doctor or didn't come from that background. Yeah. Yeah. He's being portrayed as, or I heard it portrayed as, the reason Republicans are uh, challenging his nomination is because he uh, was so outspokenly anti-Trump. No, Not that's that ridiculous. Not any of this abortion stuff, or maybe he's not qualified, or he's hardcore single-payer uh, insurance and that sort of thing. Right, right. Yeah, he is an extremist, and he's, a, he's a, just a bad human. So I hope they uh, I hope they kick him out, and then Biden will pick somebody perfectly reasonable for health and human services. 
somebody capable, somebody experienced, somebody smart, and I say uh, let him pick his henchmen, unless it's somebody is is scum sucking as Javier Becerra. Well, they only need fifty votes plus Kamala Harris, right, to get him through. Yeah, but the the moderate Democrats don't like him either. Okay. I mean, as we pointed out, he is so way out there on late term abortions and partial birth abortions and unspeakable stuff. I wouldn't even describe on the radio to you. So, I'm rooting against him. That's for sure. Uh, our ongoing full coverage of Tiger Woods' car crash. We will never stop talking about it because it's the only thing happening in the world. I've been watching the news over Sean's shoulder the entire morning, and this is the first time Tiger Woods hasn't been on the screen. Right. Took about an hour. Did China attack or something to bump uh, Tiger Woods? <laughs> um, uh, the best part yesterday was the on the the never ending coverage when nothing was known. <laughs> you have right. you have no information, but you're still going to go nonstop. Tiger Woods is dead. Nope, he's alive. They used the jaws of life. No, they didn't. Another car was involved. No, turns out that wasn't involved. Yeah, please. So I heard Jaws of Life many times. Then I heard at one point in the afternoon, no Jaws of Life. And I thought, well, mm-hmm. there's 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 yet another good lesson in the whole don't believe any early reports. Yeah, and that was from the sheriff's department, too. So they didn't know what was going on. But look at all the clicks there. My Jaws of Life story got, though. That's going to yeah, look good on my right. quarterly review. Oh, man, we, we don't have time for how this woman got to be not only 105, but she survived the coronavirus at that age. Oh, Her wow. secrets for long life and health. You want to hear this? Yeah. I put a hard-boiled egg in my mouth and walk <laughs> around the block every <laughs> evening before bedtime. Exactly. Really? Is that the key? Armstrong and Getty. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.